Hello and welcome to another episode of Bring Out the Podcasts. As always, I'm your host, Luke Thompson. And Kansas State coming off a nice win over Texas Tech over the weekend. So we welcome you on a guest whose team also had a nice win over the weekend. Managing editor of Frogs of War, Melissa Trebowasser. Melissa, how are you doing? I am doing just as fine as one can be in these crazy times, right? I guess we can we can celebrate <laughs> victories, and that gives us some joy and hope. That's right. That's right. You know, maybe it does take a little bit of cognitive disruption, but that's what we have to do. We got to get through it, right? Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, TCU, uh, you know, like K-State against Oklahoma, was the underdog against Texas. But, you know, what were your expectations for that game uh, where TCU kind of got back on track after last year's anomaly where Texas beat them? Yeah, I mean, I think going into the game, we were big underdogs, which is always a great position to be uh, for Gary Patterson when playing Texas, uh, you know, living in Texas and rooting for a university in the state. I I think that everybody kind of tends to think that Texas is going to have that breakthrough season and the Longhorns are finally going to live up to their hype and their recruiting rankings. And so Patterson always had, it's not hard for him to have his team ready for that game. You know, he's always going to get the best effort out of his guys. But that being said, you know, we, we didn't really know what was going on with the quarterback situation. We hadn't seen a whole lot of positive out of the offensive line and the defense that was supposed to be super elite just got gashed for big plays against Iowa state. And so I was a little more cautiously optimistic than I was confident. Um, and, Generally, it's, it's been pretty easy to be confident against uh, playing Texas. So I didn't feel great on the road. I, I didn't know what this team was going to do, uh, but I knew Patterson would have them prepared and not necessarily surprised that TCU won. I'm definitely uh, a little bit surprised on how they did so, but it, it was nice to see kind of some things come together and, and this looked more like the team that we expected them to be coming into the season. Yeah, yeah. And so how much, you know, and I guess where was the improvement from, you know, Iowa State to Texas? You saw from the standpoint. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the first thing that happened is that whatever, for whatever reason, they decided not to start Max Duggan against Iowa State, and they waited until the second half to play him. They rectified that wrong Saturday. When Max Duggan is on the field, this TCU offense shows glimmers of potentially being elite. The offensive line has got to play better. But the skill positions, you know, with with what they can do with the wide receivers, there's Quentin Johnson is is just going to be an absolute star in this league. There's no doubt in my mind. And so when you see Duggan playing as confident as he is, he's he's fixed his accuracy issues. He's throwing beautiful deep balls. He's putting touch in places. um, And they haven't even figured out how to use the tight end yet. So uh, the red zone issues were concerning. But ultimately, um, I I think you just have to love what you're seeing from the revamped offense with Doug Meacham and Jerry Kill having something to do with the play calling. I mean, we've seen more movement you know, on offense and, and more guys in motion in the last few games than we probably saw all of last year. So it's a much more creative, efficient unit, um, and, and there's a lot to be excited about going forward when you consider that Duggan only has, you know, six quarters of play so far this year and has, has you know, just absolutely lit it up in the process. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think anybody who's on the field for K-State last year against TCU still sees Duggan running past them in their nightmares. So, yeah. <laughs> So before we go and talk more about him on the offense, I wanted to, you know, take a look at some pretty serious ones with Skylar Thompson. Um, I don't know what the latest update is on him, but I don't think there's any way he's back this week. You know, if, if the season at all, that arm in a sling, you know, we, we hope the best for him, obviously. It didn't look good for Joaquin Gill, and he went down. Uh, and then, you know, there's just the COVID issues have, have been a week-to-week thing for Kansas State. What's TCU's injury situation looking like? 
I mean, it's, it's, well, was it was last year that, that it was just kind of a, a total disaster for them injury-wise? It's been the last few years, um, legitimately, yeah. where just, <laughs> they've just not been able to keep guys on the field. Relatively good. It looks like we'll get more information Tuesday during Patterson's press conference. But we saw Amari DeMarcado go out early. Um, you know, he was injured for most of last year. So when he left, that was concerning. We don't know what his status is going forward. Marcel Brooks, the transfer from LSU, who is just an, just an elite-level defender, uh, but was just starting to kind of work his way through the playbook and, and find his way on the field. He left with an injury as well. Not really sure what's going on with him. And, and you know, Patterson is notoriously quiet on injuries, like one of the right. – like he's running a spy <laughs> ring or something. That that dude doesn't want to tell anybody anything. <laughs> and then also we saw Darius Washington, one of the Frog star safeties. He left, but he was back in there late. Yeah, so I think he's actually, probably good to go. Sorry, um, our, our Darius we, is a guy I saw play in high school when I was in Shreveport. So. Oh, yeah, and he's just he's so fun to watch. He's just such a fun player to watch. So I think the Frogs are in relatively good shape. They got back Terrell Cooper on the defensive line before the Texas game. That was a huge returning player. Made a big difference against the run Saturday. So it, relatively healthy. You know, it looks like Duggan's a full go at this point, too. So all things considered, not a terrible position to be in. And I think much like what was it, Mississippi State, or where Leach said that, you know, they had a, a 75% of his guys that already had it. Maybe that was LSU. I can't remember. But TCU's oh, uh, kind yeah. of been through the COVID thing already. So um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. But um, I don't think so far so good the last two weeks, at least with, with coming back with zero positive. So hopefully that trend continues as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, yeah. So to then to get back to, to Max Duggan, obviously he had a, a really big game, another pretty good day on the ground. He had 17 carries. You know, how much of that were designated run plays for him? Uh, you know, it, quite a few of them were scrambles. It's really hard to tell when something is designed half the time, it feels like, because he is spending a little bit of time running for his life. I like the way that they're using him. I, I think 17 carries, obviously, is a little bit more than you want him to have, especially coming off of, you know, a, a heart issue. But by the same time, like, he's mm-hmm. so tough, and he's good at not taking big hits. And he really only got smoked, like, once or twice in that Texas game. Did he, did he really take a direct hit head-on? The 26-yard touchdown that ended up being the game-winner, that was a check at the line that he made, which was such a great sign going forward to see him see the way that the line, the formation was and that the linebackers were peeking off to the sides and just seeing that gap up the middle and taking it. Um, and he scored on another design run. Um, I think it was an option play earlier from inside the red zone. So, you know, we, there's so many talented running back in this stable of guys that we would love to see kind of break loose. The fact that Duggan is still the leading rusher through two games, not an ideal situation, but I think we'll see these, these young – Every running back in the room, aside from uh, Amari DeMarcado, is either a true freshman or a redshirt freshman. So there's just a lot mm-hmm. of youth at that position right now. And so I think that's why you're seeing Duggan with the bulk of the carries. But Kendra Miller really had some nice runs against Texas on Saturday. He's a true freshman that Patterson's been raving about over the last, uh, really since camp got rolling. So I think we'll see more of him. I really like Darwin Barlow's uh, four-star redshirt freshman who had another great fall camp. And then the Mark Clay Foster's coming back off after missing a couple of weeks. He looks like he's going to have a role in the passing game and the running game. So I think we'll we'll start to see the Frogs figure out how to use those three guys and incorporate their five-star, uh, Zach Evans, who was that late signee that kind of took everybody by surprise. So I, all, all that to say, Duggan, the reason that he's so effective is because he knows how to use his legs. He is a true dual threat. But at the same time, um, you'd like to see those running backs get a little bit more involved and take some of the heat off of him too. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, the check of the line, and you kind of alluded to it, is that – Sort of an example how the, the coaches are giving him more 
confidence to run the offense? You know, is he being asked to, to take more control this season as a sophomore? Yeah, I think I think it's a it's a byproduct of a couple of things. Number one, it's having had a, a now he's you know almost been in the system for two years because he was an early enrollee. He's shown a lot of maturity. He comes from a long line of coaches, so got that really high football IQ. And I, and I do think that having Doug Meacham and Jerry Kill there have given him. Cumbie does a lot of things really well. He's a great quarterback developer. He's not been a great play caller. And the way that his offense was kind of drawn up last year, I don't know that Duggan felt like he had a whole lot of freedom. And so to see him see the formation, recognize the formation, have the confidence of his coaches to make that change and then execute it beautifully, it says a lot about his growth and maturity as the leader of the team and then also about the way that the coaching staff is putting more on his shoulders and allowing him to make those choices. And Patterson said after the game, like, that was all on him. It was on his shoulders. He made a great call. He made a great check. He was prepared well by the offensive coaches. It was it was his play. So um, that, to me, that and, and the two really beautiful deep balls that he threw gives me a lot of confidence going forward. I don't know if this is TCU's year to really make a legitimate run, you know, but I, I think that you're seeing a potential elite caliber quarterback developing right in front of us. And if he continues on this trajectory, uh, the sky's really the limit for TCU over the next few years. Yeah, well, I mean, and we'll talk about this more later, I'm sure, but the Big 12 sure seems up for grabs right now. Right. So, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. But it, yeah, I think K State will be very thankful uh, this weekend that Elijah Sullivan is available for both halves. Uh, I think most fans would acknowledge uh, it sure looked like a, a textbook targeting on the defenseless receiver that hit in the second half. The referees fortunately decided it was not. So he's okay. It'll be a good test of you know the speed and tackling ability for K State's linebackers and secondary. You know, we'll see how that works out. And then, you know, another good test for the secondary, and they've had some issues with height. Uh, you know, is Quentin Johnson a guy at 6'4", who, who can use his height against some of the shorter Kansas State defensive backs? Yeah, well, and, and just Duggan having a connection with Quentin Johnson, I think is such a big deal. Like, they obviously just kind of have that on lock. And Duggan, the ball that he threw, the 50-yarder, uh, you know, Johnson had a step. Like, he, it was a, it was a good throw, but it was still one of those where Duggan was like, my dude's in a better position. I trust my guy to go get the ball. I'm just going to throw it up there and, and believe in him. And I don't think we've had a receiver. And, you know, Jalen Rager was great at what he did, but he's not 6'4". And so having a guy that's that big and that fast, and, and he just, like, the way he runs, even just watching him, like, go in motion, you know how some guys just look different athletically? Mm-hmm. Like, he just looks like he's gliding around the field. Like, he gets up to top speed so effortlessly such a long strider he's one of those guys that is just really fun to watch and when you think about the fact he's two games into his career if he stays healthy and he keeps putting in the work he's got to get bigger and stronger for sure but that's going to be a really fun you know it almost is reminiscent like obviously I don't want to put this on their shoulders yet but you get that feeling of kind of when Boykin and Dawson started to figure it out like if, if Duggan and, and Johnson can kind of have that type of relationship, it completely changes the offense when you can throw the deep ball. Um, and the Frogs haven't been able to throw the deep ball for two years, mostly because they've been trying to throw it to, you know, the five foot eight, five foot nine guys. And, and that just is not yeah. the most effective way to go. Yeah, and they're not taking the, the J- Jalen Rager approach where they don't throw it to their best receiver. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also, also that. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, What's really nice about the difference, I think, this year, and I don't want to throw this all at Funny Cumbie because it's not, but 
nobody else could catch the ball last year for TCU, and, and no one really caught it the year before either. And so when Rager has got one or two guys over the top and he's being double and triple teamed, your freshman quarterback is not going to throw it to him. You know, you don't want him making that play. You don't, you don't have the confidence of him fitting it in that window yet. So having a guy like Kay Barber, who's super reliable, he had seven catches on seven targets after – you know, having the, the ball bounce off of his knee and for the, the game ceiling interception the week before. He's reliable. He's fast. He's strong. Um, he can break tackles. You've got J.D. Spielman, who we're still seeing how he's going to work into the actual offense, but is absolutely a threat. And then you've got Pro Wells, who is a guy that a lot of people are talking about being, you know, a, a second or third round draft pick who they haven't even found sure. uh, for anything yet. And if, if he starts getting involved too, but there are a lot more weapons, a lot more reliable weapons on the field this year. I mean, when you have a, a kid come off, off the bench and Blair Conright, a, a redshirt freshman, uh, yeah. and, and make a ridiculous catch down the sidelines, you know, for a big first down, it's a lot easier to find your star when there are other guys that can still make you pay. Yeah, and that's a guy, actually, I was reading up a little bit on Blair Conright. I mean, it sounds like he was just unstoppable in high school. Is there a yeah. sense that, like, once he gets his chance, he, he could be a big-time player for them? Absolutely. I think he's another guy. And, and Patterson doesn't like to say nice things about offensive players. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> long been his thing. And so uh, he, he's another guy that they've spoken very, very highly of. He was a superstar in Lubbock. One of those kids that, you know, Tech just didn't get to move on. And TCU came in and stole mm-hmm. him. He wasn't super highly touted, but he was super productive. And just his body control and his hands and his speed, uh, he looks like he could be a really, really good player for TCU. And we've only begun to tap the surface, I think, of, of how they're going to utilize him. So it's hard to remember it's only been two games. You know, yeah, and he's, he's a little smaller. I mean, do you think that's why he got yeah. overlooked? I mean, K-State knows all Probably. about uh, smaller receivers yeah. kind of. Yeah. Know, yeah. No, I think, you know, not having necessarily the measurables that are ideal, but he, he's, he's really fun to watch and he seems like he's, he's got all the pieces and he's got the work ethic too. So it's just, you know, we, we've had this talent on paper at that position for the last several years, only to see like guys not remember how to catch the ball or be able to run <laughs> decent routes. And so it's kind of nice to have the talent, but then to see, a, them playing up to the level of expectation, but also to have an offensive system designed around exploiting that talent, which has also been missing the last couple of years. Yeah. Well, speaking of talented players not catching the ball, have you watched Malik Knowles play this year? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have not gotten to see really, a lot. But... <laughs> it's been really disappointing yeah. for Kansas State fans, I think, because he's a guy who um, you know, showed some flashes last year, did, did a lot, and just hasn't really produced this season and not only I mean he's had some bad drops but it, it feels like on some of the plays he's going up and that the effort to, to come back for the ball is not necessarily there all the time and it's it's kind of Shavastin Taylor is, is a little bit the same way guy obviously has some great tools he caught you know phenomenal touchdown pass against Oklahoma but then there are other plays where the ball's up in the air and it's like he doesn't really want to go get it so yeah. I don't know. That's something that's going to need to improve. TC fans can understand the frustration of having a star wide receiver who at times seems to um, not be doing exactly what you would like them to be doing effort wise. But I would leave it at that so that his dad okay. doesn't yell at me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sounds good. But yeah, but let's talk a little bit about TCU defense before we do that. We'll take a, a short break to hear from our sponsors. and. We're back. And so, yeah, as, as I was saying, you know, Deuce Vaughn obviously has been great out of the 
backfield. Great. Maybe doesn't seem like a strong enough word for a guy who's got eight catches for 234 yards. And then Briley Moore, K-State's tight end. This is a fun stat. He caught his second touchdown pass of uh, the season, you know, in the third game. And he's so he's the first K-State tight end to catch two touchdown passes in a season since 2014. And the last tight end to catch three touchdown passes in a season was Justin Swift in 1998. So, wow. That's how important the tight end was to Bill Snyder's offense. Wow. <laughs> uh, Crazy. But, yeah, I mean, so how, how's that going to play against the TCU defense? You know, this defense has been super interesting. I feel like the talent is there that – Obviously, the talent is there. Um, you've got a couple of elite players in the secondary. You've got an all-conference cal- all caliber linebacker in the middle. But Deuce Vaughn just scares the crud out of me. Just the way that he runs, how hard that he runs. You know, he's one of those backs that where it's like the rare occasion where being small is an advantage. He just seems to hide behind the line, find his spot, and he's gone. And then for a team that's been super susceptible to giving up long, big plays to running backs, horrifying. Just absolutely horrifying to me. Um, when you look at what Brees Hall did against Frogs and then Keontae Ingram had a big game, and it's because it is not just the run, it's the pass as well. TCU someday will learn to cover a running back wheel route. I don't know when that day will be. But I, I think Vaughn, to me, is he's the kind of guy that could go out and have 250 all-purpose yards and single-handedly carry Kansas State to a win. Or if they make some good adjustments and they limit him, then you know it, it puts the Frogs in a great position to win. So I, I feel really good. You know, I think Noah Daniel has been just elite as a corner coming back off an of injury and missing so much time the last couple of years. Travis Hodges Tomlinson's getting picked on a little bit as a smaller guy out there, but he plays with a lot of toughness. And, and even when he gets beat occasionally, like th- there's enough help over the top. And then, of course, the safeties are good. I do worry the defensive line has gotten no pressure for the second consecutive year. We're looking at just an inability to provide a pass rush. Uh, which puts the corners in a really bad position and obviously is big priorities in the big plays that happen. So, uh, you know, if Skylar Thompson's out and you, you kind of take out the threat of the quarterback running game, maybe that helps. But Will Howard looks really sharp and competent. And I don't think that it's necessarily like there's not a – it's a different type of style, but he doesn't look like it's going to be – he's not going to cost them the game, you know. Like he, he looks like he's going to come in ready to play. Yeah, and when you talk about a guy who who looks like he can play the position, you know, he's 6'4", 230, and just looking at him, and like in warm-ups or something, you might say, hey, that guy could have an NFL potential. And, you know, I, I think sure. that's what, what K-State is hoping he does. Probably <laughs> would be crazy to say he's there now. But, yeah, I, I think K-State has high hopes for him. And, you know, you'd think, though, being that he's only played two and a half quarters, probably K-State's going to be more inclined even than before, to, to throw those little dump-offs to Deuce Vaughn and throw, yep. you know, those simple passes at the tight end. So that, that'll definitely be the test for the TCU defense. But, you know, I think it'd be fun to have this be Will Howard's coming out game. What do you think? Um, I'm going to disagree with you on that one. Um, I would rather it not be his coming out party. Um, I, I just, I you know, he seems like a really nice kid, and he can play great the rest of the season. But um, I'm going to need him to look like a true freshman on Saturday. That would That would be great. <laughs> You probably want him to look like a fourth quarter Spencer Rattler, right? Oh, man. I tell you. <laughs> I, I, I was listening to that game driving back from Austin, and I guess Sirius XM gave me the Oklahoma radio feed. And let me just tell you, that was fun. It was very fun. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it you know, in Spencer happy. Rattler's defense, he has been 
probably the best quarterback in the league if you take away the you know the last 10 minutes of the last two games so and it's yeah, not really right. his fault that he needs to put up 40 points a game to win so yeah i mean the defense tough break, is man. Tough break. He, yeah, he is a freshman like there's a lot but you know I, I think that's what we're seeing too what's so interesting about this is that you know I, I think that lincoln riley is a great quarterback developer but he's had these two really experienced guys previously or three really experienced guys and so having to start from scratch it's going to take some time and listen like i think we all know with the way that oklahoma recruits and as long as lincoln riley is the head coach of that program this is a chance like they're going to be back they're going to be really good again yeah. next year probably they're still going to have defensive issues but um, if you're Iowa State, if you're Kansas State, if you're TCU, uh, you look around and, and Baylor doesn't look great. And Texas is still Texas, thank God. Um, Oklahoma State looks really <laughs> strong, but until they beat yeah. Oklahoma, like, I mean, listen, like, I, I hate to say it, but they've got to they've got to show and without Spencer Sanders too. I, I think they're still very very good, but you know, maybe maybe not just not unbeatable by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, what's and the word on? You get them at home. What's the word on Spencer Sanders? I haven't heard anything heading into this week, but it was an ankle injury. I didn't think it was going to be a long-term thing. Uh, right. I mean, it, it seemed like it was in question most of last week, even. Like, yeah. Like maybe yeah. So. so I think we'll see him back. Um, but Jane Illingworth has been great, um, you know, and, and when mm-hmm. you've got Tylen Wallace, like you and I could go play quarterback for Oklahoma State. We're going to throw <laughs> for 270 yards, you know, like just the way that it is. So, yeah. Um, but, but this is a yeah. big opportunity thought... for programs. Yeah, I thought KU made a really bold decision to not cover Tyler Wallace last week. Was, uh, not what I would have <laughs> done. He makes with, a lot but, of bold. You know, Les yeah, Miles knows what he's a lot doing. Of bold yes. <laughs> he, he does, man. Well, and and with the way that they played Puka too, I mean that just uh, poor, poor. I, I know you know no love lost for the Jayhawks. It's just that program. I don't I don't see how you ever turn it around. You've got Les Miles, and and if he can't win there, like it's just no one can. Like it's just it's over. Yeah, maybe. Not, not very high less miles, but you know. <laughs> yeah. But 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 you've got a championship winning coach and a great recruiter. Like what he, his game management obviously is is not in game management has some issues, but he's the first dude that's been able to recruit and, and maybe next year. But I just they don't look like they're getting any better. No. I, it's no. and I don't know if they can. Um, I guess back to the TCU defense. You know they did have a couple first team guys in the preseason. Garrett Wallow and uh, linebacker, and then uh, Trevin Mulrig in the back. Man, those guys, you know, living up to that hype as leaders. Is... Yeah, you know, Wallow had the big play at the goal line Saturday to punch the ball out of Keontae Ingram's hand late and, and get the Frogs back the ball. It was almost on cue. I had just tweeted that TC should just let him score and get the ball back in Max Duggan's hands, and then Wallow's like, no, we're good. No, he didn't read my tweets. It's good. <laughs> so, you know, he's been good. He's he remains susceptible to getting kind of turned around. And some of the big plays have, have definitely been his responsibility. They haven't all been all his fault by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, he does like to go for the big hit sometimes and get burned every once in a while. But he's been really good, really solid. He's had a very quietly leading the team in tackles. They're very quietly, you know, getting seven, eight, nine a game. But I think that was kind of his big, oh, yeah, remember I'm still really, really good moment on Saturday, which was great to see. And D Winters, a redshirt freshman playing next to him, has, has been exceptional. So they, they're still a really dangerous duo. And then, you know, Trevin Merrig, teams are avoiding him right now, which is probably a really smart thing to do. But with him and Ardarius Washington and then LaKendrick Van Zant, who had the game-saving tackle, 
that set up the eventual fumble and had the interception that he brought back down to the five before penalty. He is such a Jekyll and Hyde type of player. Hopefully Mary can kind of help keep him, you know, locked in on the, the mental side of the game here going forward in the season. But Merrick is the kind of dude that everybody wants on their team. He's a great player. He's a great athlete. Really, really smart coach on the field and just a fabulous human being off of it, too. Um, so I think that he's living up to the hype, even if he's not getting as many opportunities to make big plays because coaches and, and teams know who he is. And, you know, they're doing their best to stay away from his side of the field. Yeah. I mean, it looks like just, just looking at the depth chart here that it's a pretty young defense, you know, especially in the wall is a senior, but linebackers and secondary, a lot of sophomores in there and a handful of juniors too. Um, you know, so is this a group that you're kind of expecting to to grow and improve a lot as the season goes on? Yeah, I think so. Like like you said, the, the two deep is full of first and second and, you know, a handful of third year players. So there's a lot of growth and, and you hope as a fan and Patterson has been saying it that, you know, a lot of these mistakes that they're making, these are not talent issues or scheme issues. They're young guys, you know, making, you know, just one wrong read or run one wrong move and and they're all very coachable and correctable. And so you saw improvement from, you know, game one to game two. You hope you see improvement from two to three. And, and then you hope by the time that November hits that they're really firing on all cylinders. Because if this defense lives up to its billing and continues to improve, then they can definitely, with an offense that can score, they can definitely, um, you know, keep TCU in, in ball games and give them an opportunity to get a lot of wins. But they really have to get rid of this big play bug. It's going to be a big problem when you're playing in the Big 12 and every single team has some kind of elite game break type player, you know, lined up on their side of the ball. Yeah, yeah. And it'll be an interesting test for Kansas State's offensive line. You know, it looked pretty awful against Arkansas State, but since then they've really um, stepped it up quite a bit. So it's good to see those guys gelling as they come into the year with a lot of inexperience, um, I think. Skyler Thompson shouted them out after the game last week. Understandably, he's very happy. And yeah, I guess we'll see how they handle that, that TCU defense. I don't know. I mean, how, how well, good has the tough to, TCU been? I, I mean, the pass rush has been non-existent. So, okay. like, the offensive <laughs> line should have, yeah. I, I, like, when I say non-existent, I'm not exaggerating. There's no sacks <laughs> against Dan Ellinger at all. I think there was, like, one or two QB pressures. It's been the most disappointing aspect of what we've seen this far. Um, Ellinger had all day to throw. And when you talk about giving up big plays, well, when in the passing game, a lot of the time it's because that quarterback can just sit there and wait for something to open up. Um, and, and that's just, you, you know, Patterson has long put his corners on an island for an extended period of time. And so when there's no rush and you're letting the quarterback, you know, step in, step into a clean pocket, you know, has all day to throw. It's just, it's not a fair fight. And so somehow they're going to have to generate something. And I don't know if that's going to mean given guys looks, you know, if they can get Marcel Brooks back and, and let him kind of roam free. He's just kind of a guy that wherever you line up, you could just tell him to go get the quarterback. No matter what position he's lined up at, no matter where he starts, go get the quarterback. So I'm very interested, especially against a, a you know a solid group like Kansas State, to see if they can figure something out and make life difficult, especially if it is Will Howard. I mean, he's been really good. He's got all the tools, like you said. He's still a true freshman. So um, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be really critical that they put you know some pressure on him and make him make some decisions and, and not let him have the easy dump off to do and guys like that. Let those wide receivers 
see if they can actually step up and, and make some plays for the Wildcats and do it in a situation where Howard is not comfortable with his throws and with his pocket. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, you know, this is a road game, 3 p.m. kickoff time on Fox Saturday. But, you know, TCU never the scariest place to play, if we're being honest. But in yeah. COVID times, what will that look like with the, the crowd um, and everything else? Yeah, it's so it's, you know, it's only a 50,000 person stadium to begin with. There were only 1,000 fans in the opener. It's not particularly loud. You know, it's not going to be a. Uh, uh, a home court advantage, so to speak, necessarily. Um, I, I was pretty impressed with the fans um, and with the noise that they were able to generate, you know, a week ago. But I, I don't think it's going to be – I don't think Kansas State has to worry about that and the crowd impacting the game. Like, we'll just – we'll put it that way. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll say, yeah, it's funny. You know, you and I were chatting earlier this year, and um, I guess it was – I think it was after the pandemic started, but at the time when we were thinking there, there still might be a competent response. And so, <laughs> you know, there was some hope that I, – I was thinking about going to Fort Worth and, and seeing this game. But the, the reason for that, though, was uh, Heim's Barbecue is a place that, that I've heard a lot about. I just want to – let's talk a little bit about Heim's Bacon Burnt Ends. Oh, let's. Oh, man. First of all, <laughs> big shout out to Travis and Emma, big TCU supporters, big TCU fans, just really, really great people in the community. Um, and, and their success is awesome. They're about to open their third restaurant. It just moved forward in the process, I think in like late February, early March. So the timing was not great. So I've been really impressed with how they've handled things. Um, I, I think that they've been uh, super on top of safety and they've done everything the right way. They're following all the rules and regulations and probably even more cautious than they need to be, um, which is great because that's enabled them to stay open and provide bacon burnt ends to the masses. So I, I've picked up time to go a, a handful of times. I've not been in a restaurant since March, but I make sure to get my barbecue fix regularly. So uh, what Travis does with smoked pork belly coated in some type of delightful syrupy, sweet, spicy, peppery, <laughs> I don't know. Like a lot of many, many people have tried to duplicate a high bacon burnt end. I've yet to see anyone do it exactly the same. So he's a mastermind, and and that food is as good as it gets. Yeah, I, I let me just say on the record right now, I I plan to get there hopefully soon, definitely, but before I die. So. You need to make it happen. I I took uh, Levi Stevenson, the managing editor of Wide Right. Oh yeah. Uh, he came down mm-hmm. in March, and I was like, we're gonna go get barbecue and. He took a bite and I took a, a picture of him right as he like tasted it for the first time. And it just pure joy, like just unabated, mm-hmm. just joy and, and love in his heart for those bacon bird ends. So it, it's a game changer. Everyone I know that's tried them, it's, it, they've never been the same. Yeah, definitely. Have to try. As you may know, it's kind of a barbecue desert out here in the Pacific Northwest, especially on the on the east side of the mountains. Not a lot of options. And there's actually one barbecue place out here that was like halfway decent. And then, sorry to get a little political here, folks, but the, the owner came out very anti-mask and also basically said, if you're a Black Lives Matter supporter, don't come here. So I said, okay, yeah. I won't be coming. Well, so, it's a shame. I know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, but, uh, Tra- Travis is very supportive in the community um, in a lot of ways, the, the Heim family is. And so it, it makes it even easier to want to support them because they really do care about people of Fort Worth and even though they're opening a barbecue restaurant in Dallas, which is really hurtful to all of us, we, we still know that they'll do it the right way. That's good. That's good. And so I guess looking forward a little bit before I ask you to make a prediction, I mean, I, I think K-State fans have already started looking ahead, you know, think, okay, this is, 
but they're not looking past TCU. They're saying like, you know, if we can get past this one, then you get Kansas, which is a gimme for homecoming. You get at West Virginia, which seems fairly winnable right now. And then all of a sudden you're, you know, what, five and zero oh, heading into huge games against Oklahoma State, Iowa State. You're you're feeling pretty good. Like the suddenly the conference championship seems possible. I don't know. I mean, as that they're that same kind of looking ahead right now with TCU with the the way the Big Twelve is shaping up. Definitely not. I I would say I am the farthest from that moment. First of all, in in 2020, if I've learned one thing, it's don't look ahead. Let's just see what happens tomorrow. Uh, There could be a football game on Saturday. There could not be a football game on Saturday. No one really knows. And, you know, whatever happens, happens. I think right now, coming into the season before we knew it was going to look the way that it did, um, I think that most people who, who follow the program closely, who know about recruiting and the way that Patterson operates thought, you know, 2020 will probably be back to bowl eligibility. Maybe you sneak in and you go eight and four, seven and five, like, but it's 2021 where the stars really align, even though you could potentially lose, you'll definitely lose Wallow and you could potentially lose Merrick and Washington to the NFL draft. So even with that kind of thought 2021 could be the year. Well, Things are crazy, and from week to week, you don't know who's going to be playing, you know, how, how many guys are going to be missing. Injuries have been ridiculous because of the lack of uh, being able to hit people. So while I think that every week going into a game, TCU could win, I'm also well aware that every week going into a game, TCU could not win. Um, and I would say it went pretty much exactly how that plays out, you know. So I think that being 10-point dogs is a little bit, ridiculous for this particular game I think it's pretty even matched up in a lot of areas I think you've got to give Kansas State the edge because they just have the better wins on their record right now but I I don't I don't think that it's this is going to be one that goes 10 points one way or the other so if the Frogs can beat Kansas State that's awesome then you're rewarded with I think Oklahoma so and and even as beatable as Oklahoma looks right now like does anyone think they're going to lose four games this season I don't think they are so I just think get through Kansas State, you got a bye week, get ready for Oklahoma, and then you've got Oklahoma, Baylor, I think Texas Tech or something. So it's not going to get any easier for TCU, um, but to me, in this year of just various stages of hell, right now I'm just being honest, like, yeah. Yeah. I, I love TCU, I want them to win, but at the same time, like, every Saturday that I get to watch a game and just for four hours feel a little bit of sense of normalcy and escape like i'm just enjoying that part of it if they win amazing if they lose i'll be bummed out for a little bit but i think my perspective has changed pretty dramatically over the last several months and uh just you know a week at a time i'm just enjoying a game at a time and a week at a time and and every time we win another game i'm just kind of like well maybe maybe we can get the next one too that'd be kind of cool so my uh, i'm a little more even keel as a fan uh i feel a little more impartial than i have the last several years and maybe that's a good Mm -hmm. thing yeah, yeah, that's understandable. That's that's probably wishful thinking on my part with Kansas State. I just, I don't know. And also, I, I want to say I really hey. appreciate you bringing up the 10-point the spread because, you know, as a fan base, we are certainly well-known for leaning into the disrespect narrative, but, you know, it does yep. make me look a little bit better if you, if you bring it up. So that's <laughs> good. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, do you want to you try to make a prediction for this game? Um, you know, I said all that about perspective and, you know, that winning and losing aren't the most important things to me. Um, that being said, I still think I like the momentum. I like the positive things that happened. I think the defense will get a little bit better this week. Deuce Vaughn's going to have a huge day. 
right? I, I, like, without a question, I, I think he's going to have a big day. The question is, that's all can he does. They, yeah, he just has big days. So can the frogs? And he's playing back in Texas. Like this is this is a this is a good opportunity for him. Obviously, can the frogs let him have his 170 yards and keep anybody else from hurting them? That to me is the question. And if and if Vaughn has 170 yards and two scores, but the Kansas State offense only has 100 more, then I feel pretty good about our chances. Um, if if Will Howard's the guy. I do like Gary Patterson against a true freshman quarterback. Um, and, and just with, with what Max Duggan is doing right now, um, I, I feel like 10 points is far, far too big. Um, and, I, and I do have a little bit of confidence that TCU can get this one done. So I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be entertaining. I think it's going to be a high, more high-scoring game than we usually see between these two teams. But I, I'm going to say TCU edges it out in a long Griffin Kell field goal late in the fourth quarter uh, and, and takes the 31-30 to 30 win. That's what I'm going with today. Okay. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Well, Melissa, I appreciate it. Before I let you go, actually, uh, the, that's not, I wanted to ask you real quick about the big K-State news today that came out. Of course, I think most fans are really happy to see Chris Kleiman extended through 2026, even though that seems like, you know, a few decades away right now. But what are your thoughts on that as an outsider? I'm upset. Um, I was really hoping he'd leave very quickly um, <laughs> and maybe take Matt Campbell with him. No, I, I mean, look, it's hard to hate Kansas State, right? Like, does any team, any fan base other than Kansas hate Kansas State? Probably not. Just a really <laughs> respectable program that does things the right way. Chris Clamon is an incredible coach, unfortunately. Um, I, I just, I really think what he's done on the fly there hasn't been a rebuild. Like he just came in and won a bunch of games last year with a bunch of seniors and then said, that was fun. We lost all these seniors. Let's just go ahead and win a bunch of games again though. So it's bad news for the big 12. If, if you're playing Kansas state, it's great news for the big 12 because it's another amazing, reputable, successful coach in a conference that really just seems to be full of them right now. And if you want, I think Patterson had a great quote today on the media call about, how he's sick and tired of the conference only being judged by how good Oklahoma and Texas are every year. And that, yeah. um, you know, I think he, he was referencing what I would say it's not what Kansas state has done, you know, what Oklahoma state could be primed to do this year. And, and then, you know, what TCU has done, not recently in recent history, but in not so distant history. And then, you know, obviously that Baylor's rebuild under Matt rule. So Kansas state is one of those teams that is going to struggle to get national respect until they, you know, win, go undefeated and, and win a conference championship. But uh, you can't look at this program and not think that they don't have a chance to do that this year. And if they can do it this year and keep in with such a young team, predominantly young team, then, then think about what the next three to four years are going to look like for them. And, and if you're a Kansas State fan, obviously, uh, you've struck gold and you got to hold on to him however you can. Yeah. See, and that kind of answer is why we really appreciate you coming on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> a lot of very nice things. Appreciate it. So, yeah, I think that, that way we'll wrap things up. People can follow you on Twitter at the Coach Melissa. Obviously, read your stuff, frogsofwar.com. Anything else you'd like to promote while we got the time? Be good to each other. Wear your damn mask. Um, <laughs> just, you know, like, let's, let's, this is a really, really hard time. I'm a high school teacher. Um, just, you know, I think that the world is dealing with a lot of things that we don't see right in front of our face. And, a lot of kindness could go a long, long way. And so I hope I hope that people will just spend the next three months just being kind to each other. And are you still part of the Frogs of War podcast? Do you do that? Or? So, the, 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 you know, we'd like to bring the podcast back. You know, I'm, I'm a teacher. Jamie's a minister. Life is very, very crazy for both of us right now. Um, there are plans to reignite it, but it is, it is currently dormant. That being said, I will tell people, if you care about TCU and you want to listen to a great podcast, uh, the Purple Theory podcast, 
done by Parker Fleming and Grant McGalliard is delightful and entertaining. I've been a guest a couple of times. They bring in guests that are much better than me. If you're a stats nerd, nobody is better on TCU statistics (laughs) and really college football statistics than Parker. So check out the Purple Theory podcast, Purple Theory newsletter. There's a free edition. Um, I I contribute to that, as does Jamie. That if you really want to know what's going on with TCU, uh, follow at Stats of War on Twitter and check out Purple Theory. Uh, they just, they're going to give you stuff that I don't even understand. <laughs> okay, sounds great. Thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> you bet. Thanks for having me. So, yeah. 